Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to The Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC and your daily reminder that the Reds are top of the league. And the Reds have a chance to extend their lead at the top of the table to four points tonight as they play Luton at home. Manchester City's win last night means they moved to one point behind the Reds. They would have gone above us, but they dropped points at the weekend against Chelsea, obviously. Now, Liverpool go into tonight's game with no Alisson Becker, no Trent, no Zabozlai, no Curtis Jones, no Mohamed Salah, or a doubt over Mohamed Salah, a doubt over Darwin Nunes, and no Diogo Jota. So we know we have five starters missing, potentially seven starters missing, depending on Mo and Darwin. And I get the feeling they're going to hold them back for the weekend for Chelsea because obviously that's a final. Personally, I think the league, at this point, the league is the priority. We've got a real opportunity here. We have the easiest run-in of the top three. Uh, Arsenal have the toughest run-in. Arsenal and City both have much less injury misfortune than us. Misfortune is subjective, but, you know, we've got a lot of problems at the moment, injury-wise. 
And it's tough. It is really tough, given the amount of games we have left. You're looking at 13 league games, plus the League Cup final is 14. Seven games potentially in the Europa League. That's 21. And four games in the FA Cup. So 25 games between now and the end of May. That's a lot of football. It's a lot of football in that short a period of time. And our schedule is already condensed. And if we win the next FA Cup game against Southampton, it gets more condensed because the Everton game gets moved and pushed back. So it's going to be really tough, especially with this collection of injuries. Allison, the suggestion now is that he won't be back until the end of March. So that would rule him out of the City game, obviously. We knew he was going to miss tonight. In all likelihood, Kelleher was always playing on Sunday and again on Wednesday against Southampton. But Ali would have played tonight if fit. He'll miss Forrest. He'll miss City. And he'll miss Everton. The only saving grace is that there's a two-week international break between Everton and Brighton. That's it. That's the only saving grace. But our schedule is going to get so hectic. Now, it might well be a good thing to get Queeving these games because I do wonder if it might be an idea to give him the Europa League and the FA Cup for the remainder of the season. Maybe in a final in the Europa League, you play Ali. But maybe just try and get Alisson back for Brighton and limit him to Brighton, Sheffield United, United, <clears throat> the Everton game if rescheduled, Crystal Palace, Fulham, West Ham, Tottenham, Villa and Wolves. So he'd only maybe play 10 11 if you give him the Europa League final, 13 if you give him the Europa League semi-finals as well. Maybe limit Ali to that kind of schedule for the rest of the season and give the rest to Kelleher. Give Kelleher the FA Cup. Give him the Europa League, certainly round of 16 and quarterfinals. Because, look, this is the second time this season Alisson's picked up a hamstring injury. We don't know if it'll be the last time. And you don't want Kelleher having to come in for, say, Villa and Wolves having not played in two months. You want him coming in as fresh as possible, as tuned in as possible, as in rhythm as possible. We're going to have to rotate the centre-backs as well. So Gerald Quance is going to have to play a lot, I think, between now and the end of the season. We know that Ibu has had a lot of injuries over his career. Virgil's been largely bulletproof bar the knee injury. But at the same time, you don't want to play him every single game because you don't want to burn him out. There is also a European Championships coming up this summer. And we have to think long term here. We need 
Virgil in particular next season and the season after and the season after that. So we don't want him playing enormous minute loads. It's gonna he's gonna play a big, big load anyway, but you want to mitigate it somehow. It's really tough. Like we're fortunate enough in that Trent is out. We've got Bradley, we've got Gomez. So we're fortunate there. We're getting Costas back now as well. So there's less need for Gomez to go and play left back, even though he was great there. And I'd be more than happy to see him start there. Matip is out, but we've got Kwanzaa. We've got Gomez can play there, obviously, behind our starting two. So defensively, we should still be quite strong. We should still be really strong. We've got both guys that play the number six for us, Endo and Ali. The issue is, if Ali's not playing the six, he needs to play the eight because we're short, because um, Zabozla's out and Curtis is out. <clears throat> and Trent would be another option there, but he's currently out. Now, Trent doesn't look like he's too far away. Neither does Dominic. We get those two back and it will make a massive improvement. The forward line were again bare bones. Like you're looking at tonight, I'm guessing it's Elliot, Gakpo, and Diaz as the front three. That's my guess. With Gravenberg, Endo, and McAllister in midfield. And then I'm not sure what he'll go with in defense, but my guess would be that Kwanzaa starts. And Gomez starts at one of the fullback spots, probably right back. Now that's a strong team. If we if we line up with Kelleher and Goal, Gomez, Kwanzaa, Virgil, Robbo, or Costas, probably Robbo, Gravenberg, Endo, McAllister. You'd probably play Gravenberg on the left. He seems more comfortable there, even though it does mean shifting what we do somewhat. But he's probably better there. And then McAllister, Gakbo, and Diaz. I mean, that should be enough to beat Luton. You would worry a little bit about the lack of goals. Now, Gakbo can get goals. He's obviously in double figures for the year. Diaz has nine for the year. But we're missing our three best goal scorers. We, we assume. We don't know yet for certain on Darwin or on Mo. But either way, I think it's unlikely that they start. And those two in Jota, they're our three best goal scorers. I would say if Jurgen had a fully fit squad, they would be the starting front three. So it is tough. But it's Luton. And they're not good. Like, I know they make it hard. And they're really well drilled and they're well coached, but they're not good. I mean, they're in the bottom three for a reason. They're in the bottom three for a reason. They've won two games away from home all season. They've won five games in total all season. So the perception of Luton is much tougher than the reality of Luton. You look at the results away from home this season, the Premier League, and it doesn't make good reading for them. 11 games, two wins, three draws, six defeats, scored 15 conceded 25 hammered away 
by Brighton, hammered away by Chelsea, beaten away by Fulham, beaten at Villa, beaten at United, beaten at Brentford. Like, there's no reason to think that they can come to Anfield and win. They've gotten, I would say, one good result away from home, which is the Newcastle draw. But even in that one, like Newcastle were in a really bad place at the time. They've also won away at Everton, who are garbage. They've drawn away at Forest, who are garbage. And they've drawn away at Burnley, who are garbage. Their good away result is the Newcastle game. We're a much better team than Newcastle. And our home form is is pretty impressive. You know, we're we're a team that has a great advantage at home. Ten wins, two draws in our 12 home games. Now, you look at it. We drew at home with United and Arsenal in back-to-back games. We really should have beaten United handily. Look how many opportunities we had in that game. We should have beaten Arsenal at home. We were denied a stonewall penalty, and then Trent misses an incredible chance. We should have won that game. We should have 12 wins from 12, and fuck knows if we did, you'd be looking at the table and feeling much more confident right now. We'd have 61 points and be five points clear. And my frustration with us over the last number of years has been that we draw too many games. You look at the games we've drawn this season, the four of them, oh, sorry, the, the, the six of them. And, I mean, the Chelsea game, we were really poor, really, really poor. We were outplayed. The draw on the day was a decent outcome for us. We went to Brighton. We weren't particularly good, but we did go in 2-1 up at half time, and we let that lead slip. The draw away to Luton is a dreadful result. There's no way to hide it. It's a dreadful result. It felt like an escape at the time because we scored so late on. The draw away to City is a good result. I'm happy with that one. But the two draws at home to United and to Arsenal, those those and the, the Luton one, they really annoy me. Like that's six points that we've dropped where we were the better team. You don't mind the loss to Arsenal. We were completely outplayed on the day. They deserve to win. It is what it is. The Spurs loss still annoys me because, well, we, we didn't really lose the game. We scored a perfectly fine goal that was disallowed. And you wonder what happens if that goal is given. And we're 2-1 up in that game. Now, admittedly down to 10 men, but maybe Jota doesn't do the silly thing he does if we're 2-1 up. And maybe we hold on for the win. At the very least, we draw 2-2. And it's an extra point. Like, that's seven points that I feel like we've just let slip this year. Now, I'm sure Arsenal and City will look at games and say exactly the same. So it's not just a Liverpool thing. It's just that you look back a couple of seasons and you look back at the 21-22 season 
we lost twice all year, but we drew eight games. City lost three times, but they only drew six games, and they beat us to the title by a point. You go back to the 18-19 season, and again, we're incredible. We only lose one game, but we draw seven. City lose four times, but only lose twice, only draw twice, rather. And they beat us to the title by a point. Draws are a killer in this league, an absolute killer. So we can't really afford many more draws this year because City and Arsenal are capable of winning more games than us. They just are. And even if they also lose more games than us, in the wash, they potentially come out with more points. Now, as things stand, all three sides have won 17. All three sides have dropped points in eight games. We've lost the the least games. We've got to match them win for win the remainder of the season. And it's very possible. It is very possible. You look at our fixtures, these are winnable games. Luton's a very winnable game. Forest is a very, very winnable game. They're games we should win. That should be six points. I I think a draw against City is a likely outcome. We need to avoid defeat. If we can beat them, it's enormous. Like it's an enormous psychological blow as well as a massive boost in the table. We go to Everton, that should be a win. Then we're home for Brighton, home for Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United. They should be wins. Away to United. They're in good form at the moment. They've won five in a row across all competitions, but they're not playing all that well. They're very fortunate at the moment. I don't know how sustainable it is, and I think we're more than capable of going there. And by the 6th of April, we should have a lot of our players back. I think we're capable of going there and winning. We should beat Crystal Palace at home. Fulham away, followed by West Ham away. And there's going to be a midweek game in there. That's tough. That is tough. Then we get Spurs at home. They might still be battling for top four. Then we go to Villa. They'll be battling for top four. Now, the thing with Villa is they're picking up more and more injuries and Bubakar Kamara being out for the rest of the season is a huge blow. Plus they'll have Europa Conference League and they don't have the biggest squad. So they may start to wear down. We will also be starting to wear down. I I can see us going there running on fumes and I could see us dropping points there. And then Wolves home, final day of the season. If we get to the final day of the season top, we should win the league because we should beat Wolves at home. It's as simple as that. But getting there is the is the tough part. Getting there is the tough part. You wonder, I mean, the League Cup, the final is here, so you might as well go and win it. But you'd wonder, would it be in our best interest to almost sacrifice the FA Cup in Europa League and cut the number of games we would have to play just play one more in the FA Cup, play two more in the Europa League, but trim five from the Europa League and three from the FA Cup and bring the number down 
from 25 to 17, which feels so much more manageable. But at the same time, the Europa League is there to be won. We're, along with Leverkusen, we're the outright favourites for it. The FA Cup will be a bit trickier because there's still a couple of good teams left in it, but you just wonder, would would Jürgen, Jürgen, who has binned off cups in the past, would it be worth binning off those two and just focusing in on winning the league? Because City and Arsenal have Champions League to focus on. Now, that's where I think Arsenal in particular will start to struggle because they're not used to being in the Champions League at this point in the season, though they're not really used to being in the Champions League at all. This group of players, but having to play Champions League Wednesday, league game Saturday, and the having to go very strong in both, I think that could take its toll on them. Plus, the last two seasons with 10 games to go, when the real races begin for title, for fourth, Arsenal have choked both of the last two seasons. And it remains to be seen if they've solved that issue for themselves. Either way, all we can do is control our own destiny. And that's the thing. Destiny is in our control here. If we go out and win every game, we win the league. If we get more points than City, we win the league. We get more points than Arsenal, we win the league. Like, we're in pole position right now I still don't think we're favourites though because of the injuries but what we know of the injuries as things stand is that Mo and Darwin apparently should be fine for the weekend Zabozlai should be fine about a week after that Trent is a couple of weeks after that. Ali, towards the end of March. You would hope that Curtis is also back in that run. And then Jota would be the one remaining one to come back in mid-April. Matip is out for the season. Thiago and Besetic, who knows? Like, Besetic... Jürgen said in September it was a little, little, little injury and we haven't seen him since. He said in January that he'd be back training this month. Well, today is, if I'm not mistaken, the 21st of February and he's still not back training. Thiago came back, got injured and we'll wait and see. Jürgen said he expects him to play again this season, but who knows? Anything we get from Thiago or Basetic is going to be a bonus. The ones to concern with are Jones, Zabozlai, Trent, Ali, and Jota, because Darwin and Mo will be back quick enough. This is Anfield have 10 things ahead of tonight's game. They also have a piece on Xabi Alonso. Uh, it's been kind of confirmed that Bayern will be parting ways with Thomas Tuchel at the end of the season. And it's pretty clear that Bayern's preferred choice is Xabi Alonso. Now, 
I am of the opinion that Alonso is more likely to stay with Leverkusen this summer than go to Bayern this summer. I think he will go to Bayern at some point. But the Bayern job comes up every two to four years. And I think he'll go there at some point later in his career. The question is, does he stay at Leverkusen or come to Liverpool if he gets offered the job? He may not get offered the job. The assumption that he's the favourite is based solely on Twitter because the journalists that have said, oh, he's the obvious choice, they're only speculating. They have absolutely no insight into Liverpool's course of action here. Just as they had no insight, no clue that Jurgen Klopp had told the ownership he was leaving and then it was kept secret for months. So when they let on that sources say, they're just talking absolute twaddle. Alonso may not be our first choice. But if he is, then he has a decision to make. Liverpool or Leverkusen. Now, I've seen some people say, oh, well, he'll realise that the Liverpool job doesn't open up all that often. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, well, that's not really true. Jurgen Klopp is an outlier in recent history. He is not normal at this club. Let's look back. Bob Paisley leaves in 83. Joe Fagan is manager for two years. Kenny takes over. He's manager for six years. He leaves in 91. He's replaced by Sunes who lasts three years. He's replaced by Roy Evans, who lasts four years. Gerard Houllier lasts six years. Rafa Benitez lasts six years. Roy Hodgson lasts six months. Kenny lasts 18 months. Rogers lasts three years. This idea that Liverpool managers stay huge amount of times just isn't true six years has been the maximum for anyone prior to Jurgen since Bob Paisley and even you know before Bill Shankly you had Phil Taylor three years Don Welch five years like other than that you're back to the 1940s when Football managers had little to no control over the team and they were just there to train the players. But the directors would have picked the team. Shankly was the first manager to pick the team at Liverpool. Jürgen is not typical, especially in the modern game. So the idea that if Alonso says no to Liverpool now, that job won't come back up in four, five, six years just isn't true. Managers move on, clubs move on. Decisions are made for the good of the club. Alonso can afford to stay at Leverkusen two more years and then go to Real maybe. And you know he's not going to Real long term. He's going to go there for three or four years because that's what that club is like. At which point, that's six years from now, a successful Liverpool manager could have come and be leaving. 
after six years. And then Alonso could take the job. See, I'd almost prefer if Xabi went Real, Bayern, then Liverpool, and we got him when he's around 50-52, and then you'd have him for potentially at that point six to ten years. Rather than get him now, and you know that when the Real job comes up in a couple of years, he is going to be heavily linked, and it's going to be a circus. And let's not kid ourselves, he's walked on us once before to go to Real Madrid. So there's nothing to say it wouldn't happen again. Now, I don't think he'd do it in two years, but that job is the biggest job in, in football. And someone else might take it for two years. And then the circus will start again. And that's how it will be. Every time that job comes up, every time the Bayern job comes up, he will get linked. Because he has openly said in the past that he wants to manage those clubs. On Liverpool.com, there is a piece on um, what is the kid's name? <clears throat> the young midfielder, Trainiani. Uh, Trainiani potentially against Southampton, uh, given the numbers that we have at the moment. I'd imagine he'd be on the bench, but it'd be a great achievement for the kid if he did get uh, did get to make a senior appearance this year. And that's the game to play him without question. The game to give him and maybe Jaden Dans and maybe young Kumas an opportunity. There is a predicted team for tonight. Piece about Alonso, a piece about Darwin and Mo, piece about KDB. Liverpool tracking 43 million ace. That is Ederson of Atalanta, who's a good defensive midfielder, but I think we can do better. Um, there's a piece about Zidane potentially uh, going to Barcelona. Oh, no, I assume that's... Zinedine Zidane plan emerges as Barcelona, I Liverpool next manager contender. Let's have a look at this. Let us have a look at this. Okay. Uh, Zidane. Oh, Zidane to Bayern is something that's been been linked and then the Zerbi to, to Barca. That makes sense. Liverpool sporting director latest as two new candidates emerge after FSG hold formal talks. So Tim Steeten's name is obviously out there. Uh, Federic Mazzara currently at AC Milan being linked. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's done a really good job at, at Milan, no question at all. Um, he, he worked alongside Maldini and he held the responsibility for recruitment. He apparently doesn't get on all that well with the owners, so he's open to leaving Milan and I've seen a few Milan fans that are quite annoyed by the by the potential 
departure. Uh, Florent Gisolvi of Nice is another one. Now, he did a great job in his previous tenure at Lens and has done a pretty good job with Nice. And he was one that people thought would join United because of the Ineos link, but doesn't look like he's going to. Wouldn't be a surprise if his name was highly featured on our list. He's very, very highly regarded. But I still feel like I still feel like, feel like he, he'll want to stay at Nice and kind of see this job through and not just bounce after two years. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe he will be open to leaving. I suppose you show him a big enough bag of money, anyone can be open to doing anything, can't they? Uh, on to AnfieldIndex.com. Ian Doyle says Gravenberg is finding form at the right time. Get one good game. Bobby Clark in the moment to shine. I think I think it's a big option, a big opportunity for Bobby in the next couple of games. I expect we see him multiple times. It's a piece about Thiago. There's a piece about Ben Jacobs telling lies. And I don't know if he's Ben Jacobs just tells lies as, for his living. That's his job. Uh, Liverpool versus Luton Premier League preview. So give that a read. And then podcast wise, there is the latest rival recon. Dave Davis has the press conference pod up and there is a new scouted myself and Carl. We took a brief look at the Luton game. We spent most of our time talking about the European managerial merry-go-round that has already begun. And that's it, folks. That's all I've got. I'll be back on Raw tonight and I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.